Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of Three Point Podcast. Three guys from mid-Michigan, three generations, three different takes. I'm the baby boomer, Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. On the phone is Gen Xer, Matt Burns of ESPN, and our millennial is Jared Patel of Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our sponsors tonight include the Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. We'll also be checking in a little later on with our crusty athletic supporter, Jack Strap. And as we always like to say, thanks for all the support and comments at our Twitter site. That's at 3 Pod. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes, find us on SoundCloud, or tune in. Well, along with our normal look at the Lions, Wolverines, and Spartans, we're going to be checking in with New England Patriots Super Bowl champion and CEO of the RPFL, Quentin Hines. And, you know, guys, before we get to Quentin... Let's just start with uh, the big shocker on uh, Sunday night, the Lions and the Patriots. Why? How things can change in a hurry, huh? Yeah, winning cures everything, right? Right. I'm not quite on the bandwagon, but I'm not quite as negative as I was after week one. What was, okay, let me ask you guys this. What was your guys' thoughts? Did you see the video after the game of them, like, hugging and celebrating in the locker room? Yeah, I shared that on Twitter, as a matter of fact. Did you, were you guys a fan of it, or did you think it was a little, I mean, they won one game. Oh, I liked it. I liked it just due to the fact that, you know, we've been reading in the press here a lot about how the players don't like him. They didn't want to buy into his system. And to me, that showed, yeah, they were excited to beat the Patriots, but it also showed a, a little love and respect for their coach. That's how I saw it. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I think to other people in the NFL, like, they're going to look at that and think, yeah, this team just, they can't, you cannot, like, put that much clout into one game. But I also just think for the fan base, like for me personally, I'm like rooting for Patricia now. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, right. I didn't feel that way before. I, I think I think that that video and that game overall just swung this like fan base and this team like to root for this guy and really try to play for him and just hope for the best. I didn't know? expect that to come from you, Jared, but uh, I'm, I'm on the same page. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it, it was cool to see because all the reports that we were reading was, I mean, all the way from back in training camp was that he was already losing the – the locker room and guys weren't buying into a system and I, don't, I thought it was awesome because it looked genuine it didn't look like it was just like an act for because they knew cameras were, were rolling it looked like they were genuinely excited for their first year head coach to get his first win especially against the Patriots so I, I thought it was really cool and and then like you know we, we've talked about it that he looks like sometimes he's kind of boring or like he looks bored on the sidelines I mean he showed some some personality too and and also from him he sounded like he was just as excited as everyone and appreciative of his opportunity. So I, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I, I mean, that was a, it was only one win, but, man, that was a huge win for that team, especially after that stinker against the Jets opening night. That was my biggest takeaway was it wasn't necessarily how good the Lions looked. It was really just how bad the Patriots looked. But you know what we did do? We broke the streak. Yes. The streak is broke. I mentioned it. I I mentioned how it needed to break more than we actually needed to win a game. Fellas, we did it both. <laughs> but we didn't have to hand him the ball every time to do it either. <laughs> no, 16 carries. It didn't take much. And my big takeaway, Johnson looked really good he compared did. to Sony Michelle, who was taken before him. Right. Sony Michelle did not look good for the Patriots. Both of them rookie backs. He's pretty banged up. He hasn't been healthy basically since the combine. But yeah, he he I mean, he was dropping balls. He didn't look all that good. Carry on Johnson, I mean, I watched most of his games last year at Auburn. I thought he was clearly better than he should have been a first-round draft pick. I thought because he could do it all. He could block, he can catch the ball and he can run. He's shifty. I mean, there was something going on with the Patriots defense. They have a ton of injuries, so, you know, they maybe weren't full strength, but still, I don't care, man. We haven't had a 100-yard back in five years, I'll take it, because carry on look good. Yeah, and I know it's one game only, and like you said, the Patriots defense is banged up, but but for God's sakes, we saw an offensive line actually play for the Lions. I mean, they played a pretty darn good game. Yeah, and I mean, Ragnall looked good. It was finally, I mean, T.J. Lang, ever since he came over from the Packers, has basically been hurt almost every game. He was dominating, so it... You know what, whatever, even if the Patriots are banged up, that's still an NFL defense. Those are still NFL players, and the offensive line looked good. So so I'll take it. And, I mean, you know, I, I was going to say something. Uh, you were talking about the Patriots just not looking right or not looking good. 
uh, one of our listeners, one of my good buddies, Adam Scott, he was at the game, and he was sitting on the Patriots sideline, that side, and he was watching Brady and Belichick and, you know, the sideline and everything. And he said what was interesting was Belichick and Brady basically never talked the whole game. I mean, he said that Brady basically was only talking to Brian Hoyer and a couple times to McDaniels and, you know, maybe the receivers a little bit. But there was one instance that he said, that Belichick went down the whole offense, talked to the O-line, talked to the running backs, talked to the receivers. And then when he got to Brady, he just stood there and stared at him. Brady never looked up at him. And then Belichick just ended up turning around and walking away. So I don't know. It, it seems like you hear stuff about Brady was going to retire. You hear that Belichick really wanted it to be Jimmy G. He wanted to go to Garoppolo. So you got to wonder if it is coming to you know the late at the end of the tunnel with the Patriots run. Well, it sure sounds like uh, what you just described. Yeah, that, I, I really do think it is kind of just a business, uh, like a business transaction between Belichick and Brady at this point. I don't think there's much of like a friendship there anymore, kind of like yeah. there might have been. Or maybe, I don't know if there ever was. I mean, it kind of it feels weird to say that someone's like good friends with Bill Belichick, or really Tom Brady for that matter. I mean, all he eats is like nuts <laughs> and berries or whatever. But my big takeaway, like I, it's way, we are jumping to conclusions with both these teams. First off, we know for sure, we've seen it a million times with the Patriots. They're September. Right. They're almost always like 2-2 two and two in September. And with the Lions, I mean, I why is it that I hate that my brain operates this way, but I we, we all have. We've all changed our tune with this team. They've only won one game, and it was a home game on national television. We've seen, like, we saw the Sunday Night Football rankings or ratings. Like, the Lions fans yeah. get up for this. The Patricia had a clear inside look at the Patriots' defense, offense for the past, like, 10 years. I mean, this was a game that was tailor-made for them. The Patriots are not the Patriots of norm. They're missing. They're so injured. This looks a lot better than it actually is. Yeah, you might be onto something there because they, they did talk about that a lot in the in the broadcast as well. And I guess uh, you know we'll find out when Detroit goes down to Dallas this week if they can keep it rolling, finish the first quarter of the season two and two. You know, we might have some more reason to stay optimistic. If they lose that game, uh, then we're back to the SOL. So it just goes on and on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think the other part of it, too, is the way that the NFC North has looked. I mean, the Bears are in first place right now, so no one was expecting that. The Vikings got trounced by the Bills, who we were just saying the Bills are worse than the Lions. So so I think that's the, the part that maybe gives Lions fans another little glimmer of hope is, you know, Rodgers is banged up. The Bears, I mean, I, I don't think any of us expected the Bears to be that good. And then the Vikings just got smoked by maybe the worst team in the league. So so maybe there's a little bit of hope there for the Lions. You know, since we're talking NFL football, the Lions, and, and before we bring Quentin on uh, to join us, what about uh, what's going on in the NFL and these the way they're pampering the quarterbacks and not letting anybody even tackle them? I think people are kind of overreacting to this whole thing. First off, for the Packers, like this whole rule started because of Aaron Rodgers. Like, let's not forget, it's because he got planted into the ground against the Bears and he was injured. But I like if it if it introduces a Deshaun Watson injury and you know just some of the great quarterbacks we've seen in the past that get hurt, like Aaron Rodgers out of the season just for a few penalties, like a penalty one basically one or two penalties a week. Like, I'm okay with that. I. I perfectly fine that's not going to ruin the nfl football for me it really doesn't even affect me i think it's funny how much people are angry about i actually hope they keep calling it just so people keep losing their minds (laughs) matt's lost his mind matt's lost his mind folks not lost my mind but i mean it's changing the whole game and it's, it's getting to a point where it's ridiculous when you have guys like clay matthews going in and just i mean the the play he had this this past Sunday again on Alex Smith was a basic tackle. I mean, it was anyone that's watched tackle football, played football, anything like that. It was it was your basic quarterback sack, and even he, as he's falling to the ground, right when he gets up, he looks at the ref with his hands up because he has no idea what he's supposed to do, and then the flag is thrown. It's it's just getting to the point where you know these these defenders are put in a bad spot because how are you supposed to you know the whole body control? You're supposed to not fall with your weight on the quarterback. How does that even make sense? It's, like, stu- it's stupid. You know, Scott Van Pelt was talking about it. He interviewed Von Miller uh, a couple weeks ago or a week ago, and Von Miller even told him that no one told the players how they're supposed to correctly hit a quarterback. You know, these guys make a rule, and then just these players are supposed to understand what the interpretation is of the rule without, you know, a demonstration or anything. It it just doesn't make sense, and it's 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 a bad look on the game when that's 
all anyone's talking about. Not not the performance on the field, but a penalty. Did you see the tackle we're talking about, Jared? Yeah, I did. Yes. I mean, what what did you? It was def- like I definitely didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Right. But I, mean, I just don't think that it's a, as big of a deal as people are making it to be. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just it's just there's a thin line between love and apathy and everyone's so against this rule like and i'm not quite as much against it it makes it appear that i'm like super for it i'm really not it's just i do appreciate like people who are like it's like ruining their sundays (laughs) the fact that this rule is out there you like the controversy that's what i I, yeah i love controversy (laughs) i mean who doesn't that's new human nature well i i do know the steelers i guess their philosophy is the hell with it we're going to tackle the quarterback any damn way we want if we get a penalty we get a penalty and that's probably what the teams are going to have to resort to do i understand the the helmet to helmet stuff but this whole thing trying to hold off when you're sacking the quarterback that's ridiculous. Now I do understand also about the pile driving the quarterback into the into the turf. That's a different thing than what we've been seeing. Yeah, for sure. And that's just kind of the thing, Matt, and I feel like you're kind of starting to turn into the like back in my day, like we this isn't football anymore. I mean, it's still football. It, you just these I will say this quarterbacks are they are babied. Wow, they are babied. Like did you like Jimmy Garoppolo? Garoppolo, the one time he takes off and scrambles, he like tears ACL. I mean, it's not a good look for quarterbacks. Well, it isn't. But is that does that mean that the league needs to have litigation to try and protect protect them? Come on, it, it's it's football. If you get injured, you get injured. That's it's unfortunate, but that's that's the way the game is played and it has always been played. I mean, I am the old guy and I have that viewpoint. I miss. I mean, I understand the whole concussion situation with these old timers. Okay, the helmet to helmet stuff, I get it, but I still love hard hits. I mean, one of the one of the best plays I saw actually happened Monday night with the the greatest, most epic stiff arm I have ever seen. What that you... was emasculating. That was so emasculating. It was. It was kind of like when uh, when you let Tom cook on your grill. Yeah, right. <laughs> it wasn't. It was more emasculating than that. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But it was. I mean, Billy Sims used to have a great stiff arm, but. Vance McDonald, whew, that was as good as it gets. Yeah, and it's pretty funny because Chris Conti, the defensive back who got who was on the receiving end of that stiff arm, he got placed on the injured reserve today. So, oh, it, I don't know if it was his pride his or pride. what, but he's be. playing for a bit. <laughs> Before we move on from the NFL, can, can, like this is honestly confusing to me. Why is it that the Lions have had big Sunday night football ratings? Why do you think that is? Well, I think a lot of this one was also the Patriots, don't you? The last one that, that they talked about in the stat was Peyton Manning and the Broncos. So, I mean, it might not necessarily be the Lions, but maybe it is. I mean, uh, last week or the week before, you were ripping Lions fans and ripping our the, the Detroit Lions fan base, but maybe maybe it's not so bad. Uh, they they got a lot of props from Patricia and the rest of the team, and they were they were loud. Yeah, Ford Field was rocking, man. I had a few other friends that were there, too, and they said that the, the atmosphere there was just – it was like a Super Bowl, which might be the problem. <laughs> I guess, like, I guess I don't really know how someone could even say that. I it, like, it was like a Super Bowl, unless you unless you've been to a Super Bowl. Like, I guess, how would you even know? I mean, loud, a lot of people into it, exciting. <laughs> fair, okay, fair enough. I've actually heard, I've actually heard people saying. I, I think uh, one of our guests talked about it. We asked him about his favorite events that he's been to. That some Super Bowls actually, like, the environment there isn't really all that like electric because. It's just a bunch of fans. The high rollers. Yeah, it's the high rollers, but, it, like, the two teams that are playing, that's not even all the fans that are there. They're, like, fans from every team just going to the Super Bowl because they want to see the game. So they might not even be fans of the teams playing. Yeah. All right, before we bring in our special guest, Quentin Hines, let me set the stage just a little bit. The reason we were able to line him up, I was actually down in uh, – I went to the Florida Keys last April – and had a transfer flight from Miami to Michigan, was sitting in uh, the waiting area for our flight back to Detroit, and I happened to notice this guy had uh, had some pretty cool-looking alligator shoes. So I, I just struck up a conversation with him and said, hey, man, I, I like your shoes. You know, I'm a personal kind of guy, just, you know, having time to kill there in the airport. And he says, hey, thanks, man. He says, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if you know much about Detroit, but my grandpa is Willie Horton. I said, no kidding. And we started talking a little bit, and he said, yeah, I got uh, Super Bowl rings with the Patriots. And I said, well, listen, I'm part of a podcast, and I think we'd like to have you a, as a guest. So uh, give me your telephone number. And he said, for sure. So that's how it got all lined up. Let's bring in Quentin Hines. He uh, actually has a Super Bowl ring, played big-time college football, and involved in a 
Football League himself. Hi, Quentin. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, and I'll tell you what, the timing's right. The Detroit Lions look like they're going to win the Super Bowl now that they knocked off the Patriots, right? They're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, I think I think that they they got lucky. They you know made some big some good plays, but I think they're far from the Super Bowl. But they did win against the Patriots. Uh, I was down at the game, Coach Patricia. You know, actually, you know, being a head coach now, and you know, happy for them. And you know, that's how guys you know move up and they advance and they get their shot. And, they come out and win big games like this, and we may see them for, you know, years to come. Um, but I thought it was awesome. So, Quinn, I was looking at your Instagram, and I saw these, you uh, bet uh, $12,000 on the Pats' money line in the Super Bowl last year. How much did it hurt watching that game play out the way it did? It was terrible. <laughs> Not awful. I actually lost about 115000 Oh, wow. I, I, I didn't think it was a way that the, the Eagles could pull it out. And, you know, that that was just me promoting when I did that $12,000 bet there at the D Las Vegas. You know, a friend of mine is, uh, owns that casino and, and Richard Wilkin. But it was terrible, man. It just got awful. The Patriots, you know, kind of start slow. And, you know, I was expecting them to be able to pull it out. But, you know, there's not miracles every game. It was just... <laughs> you you mentioned uh, how you uh, I mean obviously hundred thousand dollars. If people if anyone wants to follow you on Instagram, it's an incredible follow. Uh, I'm just in awe looking at it. I saw another bill that you had. It was like nine thousand dollars spent at the Bellagio. Can you kind of walk me through that night? Uh, how awesome that probably was for the time being. It might not have been that awesome looking at the check the day after, but for that night, it was terrible. Was like? <laughs> <laughs> he keeps hitting you with these bad ones. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, no, that night I was down in Vegas, uh, you know, promoting the Rivals Professional Football League. It was Tech Week. You know, MicroStrategy had a big convention there. Um, a friend of mine, business partner Shane Giannino, owned Q-Stride, which is the biggest business analytics staffing recruiting company really in, in, in Michigan, in Detroit. And um, it was a celebration. But, yeah, you know, you're getting a bill, $8,000, $9,000, and you're just going to the bar. You know, it's just, <laughs> hey, this is kind of, we need to change the lifestyle if we're going to go for longevity. I think those were, you know, maturing times in my life. <laughs> to be in the position I'm in now and just be a little smarter. You know, but they were yeah. good times. I don't regret them. But, you know, oh, just yeah. going out to $9,000 one night at, you know, the Bellagio, the Hyde, the bar is just ridiculous. But it's not fun when you're losing a lot of money. <laughs> now, obviously, you played some college football. Can we talk about that for a second? I know you played for Brian Kelly at Cincinnati and then uh, ended up at Akron. How, how were your college years? Yeah, they were awesome. I, uh, you know, left Michigan. I came from Michigan. My family's from here. You know, my grandfather was a Hall of Famer. Um, played for the Detroit Tigers. He's in the Detroit Tigers Hall of Fame. Won the World Series in 1968. Willie Horton. Uh, Willie Horton. We're talking about Willie Horton, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, living here in Michigan and going off and moving to Cincinnati, a place I had really never been. Uh, it was it was a, a maturing time for me. I had to really kind of be on my own and, and and budget my money. At the time, I wasn't high rolling or anything. I was struggling. Went there as a freshman in 2008, you know, went with big players. And my class was, you know, Isaiah P. drafted in the second round, first pick to the Rams. You know, Travis Kelsey, which is probably the best tight end in the game right now. You know, we were all freshmen together. Um, uh, George Wynn played a couple years, was running back with the Lions. You know, we played Connor Barwin. Jason Kelsey, the starting center for the Eagles. You know, he was a junior my freshman year. And it was just, we play, I played with so many big time guys in Cincinnati. You know, for us to be underdogs playing in the Big East, to go 12-0, and we went all the way, you know, fly to Illinois to beat the University of Illinois, fly to, you know, all the way to the West Coast, go beat Oregon State when they got Jacquez and James Rogers, the brothers, and, you know, go 12-0, and be ranked number three in America. You know, undefeated. We should have played for the national title that game. Right. That year. You know, Nebraska, they just terrible but you know so we were undefeated you know played in big games played against Tyrod Taylor in the Orange Bowl played against Tim Tebow Joe Hayden in the Sugar Bowl those three years were great for me and Brian Kelly left you know he got 
30, 40 million to go to Notre Dame. And you know, he was a father figure to a lot of guys. Brian Kelly was a good coach. You know, he buy into you. You know, he wasn't a guy that was a superstar. You can come in and talk to him and, and he's gonna shoot you straight. And uh, you know, he was he was he didn't hold nobody's hand. You know, he was a next man in type of guy. Uh, it was you know, for him to offer me an opportunity coming out of Michigan and you know, me to go up there and then have three great years playing big games, BCS bowls, you know, number three in America and you know, it's just I wish he had never left, but he left him with the Notre Dame, and I transferred to Akron, played under Bobby Bowden and son Terry Bowden. Coach Bowden's a good coach, too, you know, don't get me wrong. He's had a rough start there at Akron, but picked it up. Now they played in a bowl game last year. I would say in a sense they're, they're you know, they're a little different. You know, Brian Kelly's the more chew you out, you know, right. tell you the truth about yourself, and Bowden's the more, you know, he takes it easy on you, I, I would say. Well, you obviously opened up some eyes to uh, get a get a chance to sign as a free agent with the Patriots, who you know one of the greatest organizations in all of pro football. Obviously, with Robert Kraft and Belichick, uh, how, how did that all transpire, and uh, what was your experience like with the Pats? Well, I was a role player in college. You know, I, I wasn't really a superstar, but I was a yes sir, no sir type of guy. Did whatever the coach asked me to do. End up, uh, you know, coming out and working out a pro day and just dominating. I jumped 42 and a half inches, which was the highest in the country that year by any running back in the vertical leap. Hmm. And then, you know, an 11 foot six broad jump, did 225, 24 times, ran a 4-3. I wild guys. Nine teams offered me a contract the Giants, Jets, the Bills. Texans chose the Patriots, you know, because my dad was more like, "Hey, son, you might win a Super Bowl," <laughs> you know, and uh, he was right. And you know, I went there and then I signed the New England. They signed me, you know, one point five million dollars. Nice. You know, I uh, I got injured, but I did what I, you know, I did the best I could before that. I really made an impression because when I got injured, you know, they still believed in me. They weren't a send me home type of. You know, it wasn't a senior-home type of situation. They believed in me, and then, you know, they kept me on injury reserve for the entire year and uh, came back and tried to be even help, you know, be even better, and, you know, coming back from a surgery and then end up tearing my rotator cuff and having a second surgery. And, you know, uh, Nick Casario, the director of player personnel, was just more of, you know, Quinn, we're going to go in a different direction. Right. And I parted, you know, ways there. And, you know, but it was, hey, three great years. I think, you know, two and a half years, you know, with the organization. And, you know, they were, you know, Class A and everything they did. And I was fortunate. But, you know, after that, I had three shoulder surgeries. Had, you know, ankle problems and uh, broke both my ankles. What am I talking about ankle problems? I no. broke both my ankles. <laughs> and uh, I just struggled, you know, from never being injured all the way up until I got to the NFL to – to just I kind of breaking down, and, and no team signed me after that. You know, that's when I really put all my my time and energy in the Rivals Professional Football League, which is the most credible developmental football league in the country right now. Quentin, you mentioned uh, winning the Super Bowl. I can only imagine how awesome of an experience it was. But can you t- So you, you were a part of the team for Super Bowl Forty Nine, and afterward there was the post-party, and at the post party, it's rumored that Rick Ross uh, had a performance with Robert Kraft. Which one of those uh, were most memorable, the after party or actually winning the Super Bowl? Um, I think you know, seeing you know Malcolm Butler catch the interception. Oh man! Take that moment. That moment is you know everything else you're preparing for. Go to a party to you know to do the parade. I mean things like that. But it's nothing more than pure adrenaline when. You're thinking, hey, they're down, they're about to score, and we get an interception. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> angels in the outfield. And it's just, uh, I almost had a heart attack. I was talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, that experience, you know, and then Mr. Kraft is, you know, he's a, he's a you know, for him to even be who he is, he's, he's a down-nerve type of guy. And yeah, dancing up, partying, and having a good time is him. Like, you know, he's the guy. You know, in a, probably a, I don't know, really, really expensive suit and some Nikes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did he ever give you a pair of his custom Nikes? Were you ever able no, to? No. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, no. You know, so, so yeah, no, good times. Uh, the Patriots, I love them, and I, I even talked to them this year. I talked to 
Bill Belichick the day before the draft. You know, we were talking about the RPFL, and it was just you know good that I you know made an impression to have good relationships to be able to leave the organization. You know, three years later, and still make a call and talk to Coach Belichick. Gordon, I was just curious, uh, as someone who is at the on the inside of the Patriots organization, what what are your honest thoughts about uh, Matt Patricia? Should we be optimistic as Lions fans? I don't know. I you know I don't think you know. I'm, I'm, I would say qualified to say if he's going to you know, be hey, um, the, the right head coach. He did come up with the win, but, you know, uh, Coach Patricia was a, you know assistant coach. And, and, and just, you know, from seeing him in a different capacity and now being the head coach, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, I really hope the Lions do good. You know, I've always been a Lions fan all my life. And, and you know, grow up here in Detroit and rooted for them no matter win or lose. But... I don't think he's going to be that doesn't sound, Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Well, we'll see. Time will tell on that for sure. You know, uh, one of our sponsors is Rivals Tap House and Grill, so it fits in well with uh, the rival professional football league. Again, you know, tell us all about that. Your involvement, you're the CEO, but uh, t- tell us about that league. Um, well, the RPFL, it was a dream of mine. Once, you know, I started a developmental league. Um, everybody can't go to the NFL right away. and Some guys, you know, even go to college, play big time college football exhausts their college eligibility and now their football career is over you know and i wanted to provide an opportunity for players to to continue that be able to still pursue um nfl and cfl opportunities i launched rpfl you know i was a young guy man a couple hundred thousand dollars you know i couldn't go invest in a car wash i never worked in a car wash i was driving a bentley never washed it (laughs) can't go get a restaurant i mean i never worked in a restaurant i knew football I bought helmets, shoulder pads, jerseys, pants, rented facilities, hired coaches, you know, and and we've blown up. Now six years, I mean, we're evaluated at $18 million from a $400,000 investment, you know, six years ago. And, and you know, we've, I mean, USA Today, Sports Illustrated, Sporting News, you know, the RPFL, we've had hundreds of players get NFL, CFL, and Arena Football League opportunities after being a part of our league. Um, we scout guys all over the country. We're looking for the best players on the developmental market. We bring them in, the best ones, and we draft them, assemble them to our teams, and we play the season and allow them to put together good quality game film that we can use to market them while offering them a performance-based contract. Four years, $521,000. I saw that. That's not chump change. What they earn is based on their statistics, though. Right. They're not going to pay a guy just for being on the team. That's the good business. Bench. You know, we're the highest paid player in the RPFL. He's made $38,000 in eight weeks. Okay. So, you know, some of it is this is off the field. So a guy, you know, has to do things off the field to be able to to earn incentives. So some do, some don't. But, uh, yeah, we offer a four-year, $521,000 performance-based contract. You know, we've had guys come in our league and, you know, go make it to the NFL, the CFL. And, you know, Chase Vaughn was drafted in our league, and he ended up playing two years with the Broncos after being drafted in our league. And Marcel Caver played for me seven, eight months ago, and then he went on to the Montreal Alouettes and the CFL. And, uh, so many guys. Well, what's the best way for our pod listeners to, to maybe check out further details? Visit our website, www.rivals.com nation.com we appreciate the time quentin uh, and again our listeners it's quentin hines super bowl champion and ceo of the rivals professional league rpfl appreciate the time quentin we'll touch bases down the road okay thank you for having me on you guys have a great day all right good stuff from quentin hines and of course the rival professional football league well how about rivals tap house and grill that's a spot to meet up with all your friends catch your favorite sporting events on their 21 plus great tvs all kinds of weekly food and drink specials that's rivals tap house and grill located on the corner of shiawassee at m21 in corona well guys um, quentin was talking about playing for the cincinnati bearcats and brian kelly and then finishing his career at akron uh our two state teams here did pretty good and of course uh, Jared was down at the big house covering Michigan, and boy, did they look good over Nebraska, huh? They looked incredible. I loved it. It's not just because I was in the atmosphere soaking it in, all the cheers and from the crowd. I really did think that they looked improved, but but I just, you know, the cynicism in me, it says, you know, Nebraska really wasn't that good. 
you know, to start with. Yeah, I was going to so say, I, the, the last couple of weeks, when it was Western Michigan and SMU, uh, you weren't impressed at all, but but you were impressed with a, a win over Nebraska. Nebraska's really bad. I mean, that you know, Scott Frost is a really good coach. I, I still think he's going to eventually turn it around. But, man, they just looked outmatched in every position, every phase of the game. So it was a dominated win, so it was awesome to see. Like I've been saying the last three weeks, I mean, Michigan dominated. They, they played really well. They probably improved and feel like they got better on offense, so, so I'll take it. Oh, they put such a hurt on them. You could see it very clearly that Nebraska basically quit. I mean, they just said, no mas. You know, we're getting our asses killed today. Yeah, I mean, Chase Winovich, after the game, I saw some interviews with him. I was, I was at work. I was looking at some of the post-game stuff with, with the players, and he said that uh, at some point they Michigan's defense – could sense that Nebraska's offense didn't even want to be on the field. Like, they were just running plays. They just wanted to get out of there. So that's that's not a good sign. You know, and since we are talking about Michigan, and we don't want to do the X's and O's for sure. We know that they kicked ass. Their defense looked good. Offenses clicking, the running game, the passing game, all that. Let's hope they can continue it in uh, Chicago and Evanston against the Northwestern. You know, that's one of those, and I know, Jared, you'll probably dog me on it, but it could be a trap game. Let's hope that they just go there and kick their ass just like they did Nebraska. It's not going to be easy, but I, I think they should definitely cover the spread, whatever it is, in yeah. that one. Why do, you, why, why do you think I would dog you for that? That's a astute analysis. It is a trap game. I'm, oh. I'm a little bit nervous. And oh. Northwestern is going to play Michigan tough. I, I really don't see a game where Michigan blows them, out the, blows them out. Well, Northwestern is well coached, and they've been pretty well established from Fitzgerald, and it's a late afternoon game. What starts at 3.30 their time, 4.30 our time. It's going to finish under the lights for sure, uh, and Michigan has had trouble there. They have. Yeah, I mean, and... they've had trouble. Northwestern's offense is really bad. I mean, they're really bad. And their best player, I don't know if you guys saw, their running back, Jeremy Larkin, he had to retire because he has a spinal injury. So he had to retire. He's their clear-cut best player on offense. So their their offense just got worse. I mean, you feel bad for the player. He had to retire from the game. But as far as their offense goes, it's atrocious. Their defense is pretty good, though. So it's probably going to be the best test that Michigan's offense has had since Notre Dame. Um, so Michigan's offense is going to have to step up and play, but Michigan's defense should be able to. I mean, they might pitch a shutout because Northwestern's offense is really bad. Mad, but I, but I, I tell you what, I'll counter that. I, the fact that they lost their running back for one game, I think a team can like rally around losing like star player. Like they're gonna, it's gonna be their rallying cry to kind of win this for him. I think, and I think that that spells out trouble for Michigan. Well, what do you think, Ted? I think I think the way Michigan played against Nebraska, and I wasn't aware of the facts Matt just said about their offense. I get what you're saying, Jared, but I think Michigan probably wins by 28. 28. Wow. I see. I, I think maybe two scores at most. Like I honestly, I don't. I don't like the thought of it. But I really do think this is gonna be a really scary game that I think we pull out. Sort of similar to how Michigan State played against uh, Indiana this weekend, where you know they were kind of always in control, but it still was never quite out of reach. Well, you know, Jared, um, more important than the way Michigan plays is I want to know about your experience at the Big House and how many questions did you get to fire at Harbaugh. So let me start. I'll start at the beginning of the day, and we'll get to the Harbaugh. Which okay, be the okay. You set it day. up any way you want. So I walk through the doors, uh, like right where you get your media credentials, yeah. and they handed me my credentials. Everything checked out, and they had a program there, and uh, and like a sticker, Michigan sticker, like pens, uh, waters, and I, I, I was like, "Is this stuff free to me?" And the, the, and the, the two workers laughed. laughed was, yeah, it's free. You can go. It's all free. Go ahead, take it. Take as many as you want. So, kind of as a joke, I grabbed like two programs. Uh, not not the best joke, but it, it, that was just kind of just showed you like how it was. Like, it was like insane to me. Like, wow, this is really free. How about that? Truly a So rookie. you walk you walk right through the doors and food. Wow, <laughs> incredible spread. Right. So there's French toast, uh, Tim Hortons coffee dispenser, eggs, sausage. Uh, chocolate milk. I grabbed. I had a, quite a feast right off the bat. This is. I got there first off. I got there right at nine a.m. I, I was taking my time. Beautiful meal. So then I walk out onto the field right around nine thirty, nine forty-five, and just goosebumps. So let me just explain this first. Like I don't. I haven't not really been to that many games. Like my dad. I. I, I haven't. I've never talked to you about this, but I think his strategy when we were growing up was to kind of like check the boxes. You know what I mean? So yeah. we went to one Lions game. 
Oh, so after we were done that, he was probably just like, thank God we never go back to that. I went to like the one Tigers game where Verlander happened to pitch a no-hitter, and then he checked the box. I mean, as you guys heard, he wouldn't even take a, take me to go see a Corona pitcher throwing a no-hitter. Like, he wouldn't even take me to see Brandon Eckerly. So This is only my second game, so just the whole time watching it, I couldn't really believe that I was actually there, not to be like a nerd or fan out or whatever, but I had goosebumps the whole time. You know, it was cool. Again, tell our listeners how old are you? Uh, 19. Okay, keep going. So then I go to, why, wait, why did you feel the need to, for me to say that? No, I, I think people will appreciate what you're going through at 19 years old, that's all. Oh, okay, okay. And so, uh, like, I'm on the field, and if, if you were, if you watched the broadcast, you saw that Charles Woodson was being, uh, like, introduced. Yeah, him and Lloyd Carr, right? Him and Lloyd Carr. So I went up, I, I shook their hands. All right, that's uh, good. I kept it, that's all I said, I, I just went up and just, and just shook their hands, didn't really say anything. I didn't want. I felt like I was the biggest bother in the world. Like they, they nothing. Like nothing they did made me think that. But that's just kind of like how I'm wired. Like anytime I even like talk to somebody, it's like I'm intruding on them. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> so normally I'll just stay in my uh, little area, and not bother him. But I did go. I met him. Met Charles Woodson. Met uh, Lloyd Carr. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of Lloyd Carr, you know, after the whole Rich Rod thing where he kind of left Michigan in shambles when he left. Right. But. But I still do like Lloyd Carr. So, as for the game, uh, I missed a few shots. Um, but good thing they scored a million points. So, there's still plenty to work with. Uh, and Matt Matt was chirping me about Donovan Peoples-Jones. I had a great look at his uh, punt return. Perfectly recorded. Not to tap myself on the back. I perfectly recorded it. Awesome. He, lo- he was very fast. He's looking good. But as you guys know, uh, the things where the, where the game where it really matters to me, where you make your bones the Michigan man, is against Michigan State. So we will see when they play that game. Fair enough. So then it was halftime. So uh, I went inside, and this is what I had for lunch. Just Polish, Polish like sausages with like onions and uh, <laughs> cookies. It was a weird, like no chips. Just no that chips. and cookies. <laughs> just, I had two dogs and like three cookies. Mowed them down. Halftime. So then I went back out, and uh, and they looked great again. And let me just say this about before we get into sort of the X's. and Like, we've already talked about the X's and O's, but Michigan's momentum is building. This is reminding me a lot of the 2015 season, you know, where they lost to Utah the first game, and then they rattled off, like, five straight wins against weak teams. Yeah, they're weak teams, but to those, like, kids, to college kids, like, it's all about the momentum. So I do like where they're going. But so the post game, okay. So this is what we all wanted to hear. Jim Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> So the post game, we go into the post game media uh, arena, and uh, I was in the very back with like a tripod, and then there was like porters sitting down in chairs, like three, four rows of chairs, probably like fifty of us total in this room. Okay. So they roll through the players. It's like Winovich comes through uh, the fullback. Uh, ben Mason is interviewed, and Jim Harbaugh's going, and then they so Jim Harbaugh's getting interviewed, and they ask if there's any more questions. Oh. And let me just say this. You mentioned it as a joke, like saying how you were kind of nervous, like asking a question. Yep. I, I tell you what, it's very nerve wracking being in that room, thinking to ask a question. I was like brainstorming like a million questions and I just couldn't like get myself. I had so many that I wanted to ask. So you had your, you had your it. opening when he said any more questions, right? That was the make or break They time. said that and make- then they cut it right after. Like there wasn't like a whole wait. No one jumped in on that. You yep. know what I mean? Like they cut it right away. Okay. And I was like just completely disappointed in myself. I was rattled. To like to, to put it plain, I was completely rattled. <laughs> I, I can sympathize. Like I set you up last week. I, I've been there. I know exactly what you're going through. I know, Matt, you've been in situations like that probably, right? Yeah, yeah, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just one of those things you just have to step up. I mean, we know Jared wouldn't go to uh, save a lot to talk to the girl the one time, so it doesn't oh, surprise me that, that he <laughs> couldn't possible, up the courage to ask the question. That is a it's good possible point. possible that the fact that I never did that, like, if I mean, you never know. Like, that's one of those things, if I if I had gone to the to the save a lot, then maybe I do ask Jim Harbaugh a question, you know? <laughs> you just never know. But... I did ask the players some questions. I asked, uh, you know, the fullbacks some questions. I asked a couple of the linemen some questions. I would have loved to talk to Chase Winovich, but there was just such a big crowd around him. And the, like, storyline we were going for was that the offensive line dominated. So there wasn't too many questions I would have been able to ask him. So did you ask you ask questions when you had the tripod up when they were at the press conference table? Or did you go in the locker room? No, uh, like, yeah, the, the little uh, locker room area. Okay. So, yeah, so I asked them some questions. But overall, it was just, like I said, it, it – 
It could not have been cooler. Just, it was just a really fun day. Couldn't even believe it was work. You know, it's kind of crazy when you really think about it. Like, yeah, I'm getting paid for this. Right. And you're getting paid port to port too, right? All the way from Grand Rapids and <laughs> round trip. Yeah, it was, a, it was a haul. It was like two and a half hours there, <laughs> well, so about five hours in total in the car. Well, that's an outstanding story, Jared, and uh, definitely uh, you'll be doing many more of those, but you had a, a perfect first experience there. The weather was perfect. The Wolverines rolled. Uh, you got the whole feel of everything, and you had all the food you wanted on your cheat day, right? I did, and uh, I'm looking forward. We'll see what I'll, I'll report back on Michigan State. Uh, I'm going to Michigan State versus Central. That's at Michigan State this week. So I've never been to a game, Michigan State game, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, did you see the little – it was kind of I – t- I read it as kind of a little dig by D'Antonio saying, ah, they're kind of a rival or something like that, a paraphrasing, talking about Central. Did you guys catch that at all? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he was taking a dig. I think he, he was actually giving credit to him. He said that they always treat it like a rivalry game. Oh, okay. I mean, that's the way I read it. Like, he was – almost saying they they don't just see this as a cupcake game they they take uh central michigan seriously i think it's just antonio being himself and trying to put put a spin on i don't know some chip on their shoulder some bulletin board material type of thing that that antonio does i don't know well we all know you if you're michigan state you, you can't take central lightly anyway i mean they, they do have a little history of winning a couple times against the spartans right it's been a while but they have i mean central michigan's offense is 125 out of 130 in college football. So uh, I don't don't think Central Michigan, I don't think Michigan State has anything to worry about. (laughs) But you never know. You still got to play the game. There still could be an upset. You never know. Fair enough. All I got to say, it's a a noon kickoff and it's Central and Michigan State students. It's going to be. It's going to be a bloodbath out there in that parking lot, the tailgate. You know what? It's going to be interesting to hear your take on the whole press situation uh, at MSU compared to Michigan, too. I'd love to hear the, your comparisons. From what I've heard through the grapevine, it's not great. I tell you what, yeah. I was comped. I, I mean, you guys heard it. I got a free program. That's a, That was enough for me to be wowed by Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I did I did a couple games at uh, Spartan Stadium. It's it's cool. Spartan Stadium is really cool, but the, the press situation and it's not a Michigan versus Michigan State thing. The press situation at Spartan Stadium, not nearly as good as at the Big House. Right. I'm interested. So, I mean, Central Michigan's one and three. They have looked horrible, like Matt said. But I, I don't know. The Lions at 28 points. Central Michigan just, I, this kind of seems like a game where it's just kind of, they stick around for a little bit. Maybe Michigan State runs away in the second half. If I had to, you know, predict how this game was going to go, I would say that, and, and how about this? I'm going to pull a, uh, no, you know what? I'm gonna stop right there. I'm, I'm Kirk Herb Street. I cannot comment on the. Since you're covering the game, the game right? Covering the game, can't comment. Sorry. Be, be legit. That's right. I kind of feel like I just held in a uh, sneeze, but. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get to Jack Strap, I want to tell you about the Corona Connection. That's a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona, Vernon, and Shiawassee County parts of Lennon. Like them on Facebook. You can view the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at coronaconnection.com. All right. Next up, let's see what's going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Fred, Matt, Jerry, how you guys doing? What a crazy weekend in the world of sports. Gotta love this time of year with college and NFL football, Major League Baseball pennant race, and another weekend, guys, of watching Tiger Woods compete on the golf course. Congratulations, Tiger, on your victory at Augusta. Hey, Tiger Woods is the Babe Ruth of golf, and I, for one, knew that it was only a matter of time before this legendary golfer held up another trophy. In hindsight, we could see this thing coming as he played quite well over the past several months, guys, and in August, he finished second at the PGA Championship in St. Louis. My son Jake loves country music, and down in the basement, he'll sometimes play it so loud that it drives us crazy, but every once in a while, he'll put some music on I like. Like he was playing for years, uh, Toby Keith, and when I think of Tiger, I think of Toby's song, As Good As I Once Was. Let me see how I can do here. I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. 
Well, this may not be as good as Toby. But anyway, will Tiger be as good as he once was? Well, hell no. It's ridiculous to believe that someone who is so dominant, transcending the world of golf in such dominant fashion for years, however, wouldn't at least be competitive and victorious over the course of a PGA season. As long as his back remains strong and he stays away from Lindsey Vaughn, that was a rhyme. I liked it. I'll remain a Tiger backer. You see what I did there? A Tiger backer, back mm-hmm. problems. I, for one, believe he will win another major, by the way, guys. Put that down. Switching gears to football. Another nice win for Shem Beckler and his boys. Well, MSU exhibited grit and determination with its victory down in the Hoosier State as T.J. Duckett had a remarkable 75-yard run in the fourth quarter to seal the deal for Coach Bobby Williams. And finally, our Detroit Lions. Woo! Take a breath here. So the Lions lose their first two games in ugly fashion and shock the world by defeating 50-year-old Tom Brady and the Patriots in Game 3. Am I happy? Well, of course I am. But... Let me share my thoughts, guys, and feelings using a couple of analogies, because I've been a little hard on uh, Patricia the last two weeks. Here we go. My first analogy is based on food. The first two games, I ate contaminated squirrel meat prepared by Jake and spent one week dehydrated from throwing up for several days and followed that up with a 49ers spaghetti and meatball dinner loss, and I vomited only once but I had plenty of dry heaves. And then, this past Sunday night, my wife Jackie marinated me a 14-ounce T-bone steak with a homemade victory fries, guys. But I didn't enjoy it as much because I, I should have, guys, but I could still taste that vomit in my mouth as I ate that meal. Was that too graphic? Well, try this analogy. This involves a teenage daughter as it relates to the coaching ability of Matt Patricia. For the first game, or I mean date, with my daughter, Patricia shows up to pick up my daughter wearing his hat backwards and a t-shirt that says I'm horny. He brings her home two hours past curfew and drops her off in the street. For the second date, he wears the same clothes. However, he brings her home on time and walks her to our front door. Better than the first date, but he still had his hat on backwards and he was still wearing his dirty, I'm horny t-shirt. So, for the third date, this past Sunday night, he picks her up. Guess what? He was dressed up in a nice button-up shirt, and his hat was not on backwards, and he was even carrying a Bible in his hand along with a dozen roses. They attended church together, and he brought her home an hour before curfew. In short, he played his cards perfectly on that third date, but I can't get the image out of my mind of him wearing that I'm horny t-shirt and that stupid smirk on his face. So the lesson is, the Lions might be born again like my daughter's boyfriend, but I'm not placing a big wager on it. He could go from holy heaven to horny hell in a week. Last but not least, guys, last year we had the great debate in the NFL about what constitutes a valid catch. This year, the debate goes around what constitutes a valid sack. Green Bay Packers sack king Bruce Matthews was furious this past few weeks for receiving rougher the passing penalties that cost his team big time. I understand the NFL wants to do everything in their power to protect their star quarterbacks, but come on, NFL. It's apparent that if Matthews' hits were illegal, the NFL must want to be little sissies and have little sissy tackles on the quarterback. Ridiculous. I've got a solution. And millions of people that listen to three-point podcasts and specifically take notes when I speak, get your pencils ready, guys, have the quarterbacks wear a vest that lights up like neon when the opposing player touches him with two hands. Or better yet, have the quarterback wear red flag like in flag football. As goofy as this may sound, it'll serve everyone well. For all those moms out there concerned about their kids, quarterbacks are getting concussions. This will sort of segue them into flag football, which is what we're going to have in 20 years. Anyway, guys, i got to go or I'm going to be flagged for delay a game. See ya.
Okay, again, great stuff by Jack, and that leads us to a part now where we can just open talk. Uh, you know, we talked about Jared's weekend last weekend. I had a chance to go watch uh, the Tigers. I had a call on Saturday morning about 10.30. Uh, tickets were available to go watch the Tigers, and it just ironically was uh, Victor Martinez's last game. It was very awesome. I thought Gardenhire did perfect by what he did. He put... Well, but first of all, in the pregame, they had a huge celebration honoring Victor. Uh, they gave him some prizes from the team. You know, they had a his jersey was framed with his baseball cards, and they gave him a. I guess he's a rancher, so they gave him a, a Detroit Tigers horse saddle, which was kind of cool. And uh, he had his whole family there, and you know he's balling like a baby. This was his last game, so he regrouped. He got it back together, and I thought a class move by Gardenhire, as. Uh, the only thing I would have done different, I would have played him the first inning at catcher. But Gardenhire sent him out in the field to play first base. He came away unscathed, and uh, he came up to bat. I think they batted him third, and he came up. They had the shift on, and he hit kind of a dribbler, but it was an infield single that he had a haul ass to get to first, and haul and ass for victory, you know, take some effort. But he beat it out at first base. Uh, they threw the ball in the, in the Tigers' dugout. And uh, they pulled him out of the game. His final appearance was a base hit. And I thought that was a class act, too. So cool, though, because, yeah, I mean, Victor Martinez, for all the, you know, criticism that he's gotten the last couple of years, and, and rightfully so, because he hasn't been very good. I mean, he hasn't, his health has started to decline, but he was great for the Tigers for the first few years he was there. So, I mean, it. He deserves the ceremony, and it is really cool that they sent him off like that. It is. You know, and I, I mean, I know I was dogging on the Tigers early in the season, thinking that maybe they should either release him or play the youngsters. But now that they did stick with him, I thought that was pretty awesome that he got to end his career so that way. Why did his career end, like, today or uh, a couple days ago? Why didn't he, like, finish out the season? Well, he, he wanted to have his last appearance in front of the Detroit crowd. That's why. Is this their last home game? It was their last series. I think they had a home game on uh, Sunday, but uh, he wanted to finish it Saturday with the big crowd. It was a pretty good crowd. Oh, okay, too. cool. So, you so, know, that was my pleasant experience. Also, you'll laugh at this, Jared. It's, it was hilarious to me. Remember how you were dogging on me for having a picture a number of years back at uh, the game with my Hawaiian shirt? Yeah. <laughs> the, the Still giveaway, very funny. The giveaway, it was Hawaiian shirt night. Everybody got a Detroit Tiger Hawaiian shirt. With They had like a variety of different tickets, Tiger tickets, on the shirt. So that that was the prize. Now, okay, was that sounds like a cool shirt, but was this like the what? Like, was there like a Meyer advertisement on it? Absolutely not. No ads. Nice. It was a, it was a sweet shirt, but 100% polyester, <laughs> made in China. And, and here's the drawback. You know, my wife's a little lady, right? Yeah. The only sizes they had, it was the first 10,000 fans got one of those shirts, double XL. The only <laughs> so size. So perfect. Yeah. I told, I, her, I told my wife, I said, wear it as a night shirt. What the heck? Did that honestly fit? You're not quite a double XL, are I you? No, it's big on me. You know. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, I was joking. And then one other thing I want to say about the game, which I'm completely grossed out about, and you know where I'm going with this, this one. This is hilarious. They videotaped a, 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 a Little Caesars worker at one of the concession stands, honking a big loogie <laughs> on a Little Caesars pizza. And let me tell you guys this one thing. This is the honest-to-God truth. I don't think I have ever had a pizza, like a Little Caesars pizza at a Tiger game, and I ordered one Saturday night. Why? Okay, can I ask you this for, like, when you're at a Tiger's game, like, why do you order a Little Caesars pizza? I don't know. Well, that's all they're going to serve you. First of all, if you want a pizza, that's what... It's I mean, I, you can get Little Caesars like whenever. I mean, Corona's got. I mean, as we've talked about, Corona's got the best Little Caesars around. Well, I know, but but if you're going to get a, a pizza at a Tiger game, it's got to be Little Caesars. That's all they serve, yeah. right? But I just happened to be in the mood for pizza that night. I had a beer in front of me, and I thought Saturday night I'm having a pizza. And then after the fact, I, I've actually sent a couple notes out trying to find out when this this a hole spit on the pizza. I'm hoping it wasn't Saturday night. Yeah, it was Friday night, so oh. you might have been in the clear. Thank God. I'm glad you cleared that up. Would that really bother you that much that uh, like that it could have possibly been on your pizza? Yeah, it kind of would have. Yeah. I mean, it's like... I mean, I didn't get sick from it, but, you know, they're, they're testing him for hep hepatitis A and the whole deal, man. I don't know. It just it was... I saw... How is he getting four years for that? 
Like, isn't that kind of crazy? That's pretty good. Doesn't gross. that seem like it's not worth four years? To me, I think I think four years is just fine. I mean, if you're if you're making food for the public, man, you can't be spitting on your food. Come on. Yeah, just, yeah I mean, not just not spitting on the food. That's just disgusting and whatever. No one should be doing that. But it's just like, why do you have your buddy record it so you can post it on Instagram? Oh, that's... Like, it's just another one of those things, like a couple of weeks ago, I think it was two weekends ago, in the LSU football locker room, one of the players post game after they had a big win went Instagram Live during Ed Orgeron's, you know, when he was giving his post game speech to the players in the locker room. Right. And, you know, the player got in trouble for that because, you know, Orgeron was swearing and saying F some this, stuff F that, that yeah. probably don't want to be public. And it's just like, what the hell are people doing? Like, why? Did, why do you do this stuff? Why are you recording your buddy spitting on a pizza and then posting on Instagram, and then you're surprised that he's getting prosecuted about it? Yeah, no kidding. That's just that's complete ignorance. Well, I would like to bring a case on my brother. So when we were growing up, um, <laughs> which brother? Uh, Josh. Okay. He he made me toast one time, and I wasn't allowed to look at it. Uh, I was first off. Let me just preface this: I was very gullible and very dumb to a lot of their tricks. Oh god. Uh, but. I'm he. I'm pretty sure he spit on it, and I remember he put like garlic powder and like all these spices on it. It was the grossest thing I've ever eaten in my life. But the, but kind of what's been going on, and uh, so this is actually some pretty big news. So if you didn't see it, Darren Ravel posted a photo of uh, it was Dr. J scoring leader Magic Johnson and Larry Bird rookie card worth one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Right. So I saw it. And I thought, man, I'm pretty sure we have this card. So I sent it to my dad. Crickets. I sent it to my dad like two days later. Nothing to hurt back. Finally, I called him on Sunday. And he's like, oh, yeah, we have that card. He went searching for it. Uh, I have not heard back yet. And the thing that's funny about that is the thing is probably buried so far. If you go down in our basement, it's a hoarder's basement. <laughs> like, we're never going to find this card. And it's like it's basically like a hundred thousand dollar bill that we will never ever find. I'm very nervous that when I go home, it's going to be like the whole house searching for it, and it's going to be a very disappointing day where we don't find it. Oh no! Well, before we wrap up, guys, a few things just let's get into a little bit. Tiger Woods, how about that performance last week, huh? Yeah, he finally got the win that a lot of people didn't know he'd ever get. I mean, what the thing I thought was cool was seeing the gallery when yeah. he was walking down 18. I mean. People have talked about his career's over. He's never going to win again. But the minute he's about to win another uh, tournament, everyone's captivated by it. I loved it. I thought it was cool. I, was, I almost watched it every hole. Matt, I saw that you tweeted that you were going to watch Tiger. Did you watch Tiger over uh, like NFL Sunday? Definitely. You did. Okay, like the whole round. I didn't. I mean, I didn't watch every single shot that he took, but I, I watched. You know, the NFL. I, I still like it. It's cool. You know, but it's. I'm just as. It's just as good to just watch on red zone to me. I don't need to sit down and watch every play of, of a game. I'll, I'll check the scores. I'll look at my fantasy scores, watch some highlights. But I don't know. Seeing seeing a guy like, like Tiger possibly win another tournament was more interesting to me. Huh. Yeah, I, I, st I stayed with football but did flip it over for the last couple of holes for Tiger. Yeah, that's what I, yeah same, same here. Also, guys, uh, allegedly Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels. Did you hear the story about Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah, being I did hear that. Seconds. Yeah, exactly. After Trump was done with Stormy, allegedly, Big Ben, <laughs> Big Ben wanted his turn, and he got shot down by Stormy. How, how embarrassing is that? Yeah. How did I know you were going to love that story and roll into this? You dropped it on us like a bob. Matt, was, Matt knew all about it. <laughs> it's very. It's a very funny story. I will give you that much. I do appreciate that story. I do. I will tell you, like, so my so. Kind, I feel like I'm talking a lot about my family, but just this kind of keeps bringing up uh, oh, oh, they stories. Love, they, they love it. They love hearing about it. <laughs> they, but, yeah, so the, we always hate 60 Minutes. Like, my dad always forces us to, like, watch it. Right. I will tell you what, the one time me and my brothers were absolutely riveted was when she was on. <laughs> you couldn't pry us off that screen. <laughs> Must watch. <laughs> That was good stuff. And uh, again, you know, throwing just throwing things out there. Did you guys see the story about uh, Army? taking on Oklahoma, losing a close game, and then leaving the locker room completely spotless after the game. Did you see that posted? I did, yeah. What a class move that is, huh? Yeah, it's cool because you hear about some teams that kind of trash the other, the you know, an opposing locker room. So, I mean, I guess you wouldn't expect anything less from uh, the school from West Point. Well, you got that right. That's how people should operate instead of spitting on damn pizzas. That's what I can tell you right there. <laughs>
wicked. If I, I, I wish Matt, I wish you would just held him that information so that he could just be paranoid for the rest of his oh, life, whether or not he <laughs> ate that pizza. Matt, I am so happy you told me Friday. <laughs> I can't tell you how happy I am. Well, just want to remind our listeners that, uh, you know, the Corona Public Schools, that's a spot to go if you're in mid-Michigan. Find out why nearly 40% of their students make Corona their school of choice, whether you're young or old. It's great to be gold. All kinds of good things going on there. I'll tell you what, guys, we've had a lot of fun here tonight, but I think we're going to wrap it up right here. How's that sound? I don't know. I will be interested to see how the sound quality comes out on this, but can I just explain what the predicament was that... that put us possibly through another poor sound quality episode sure so they handed me a list of all the public phones on gvsu's campus there's about 300 okay that makes what sense. i found out is that there's only about five that make outside calls i visited 100 phones today and i could not find one so i crossed off the list we're about one third of the way through this list like i'm literally in a classroom right now okay students are walking by in the hallway looking at they've been looking at me this whole time very weird <laughs> But so I'll figure it out. But just for the listeners, uh, we appreciate you sticking with us. And, uh, yeah, uh, I promise to get it fixed one day, but don't hold me to that. All right. Well, we'll we'll pass that on. Let's call it a show, fellas. Just want to tell our listeners, share this podcast with all your friends. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, or TuneIn. Give us a rating. Fire off a comment on our podcast page. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at three point pod email us at three point pod at gmail.com and again thank you to the corona public schools rivals tap house and grill the corona connection and z92.5 the castle we also want to thank quentin hines some good stuff from him here tonight we'll be checking in with him down the road for sure and just a reminder this has been a sportsnet michigan production until next time thanks for listening to three point podcast